It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Life. Are you growing with it or feeling left out? either way or in between you're in the right place today with the host of change already your future your choice jillian she's an award-winning author and radio personality she's warm she's fuzzy and she's got an attitude Welcome, I'm Julie Moss-Backman, and this is Change Already, Your Future, Your Choice. As Mark, my Mr. Famous voiceover man, says, if you're not in the right place right now at the right time, you have got a problem. (laughs) I'm telling you, today's show is action-packed, so I'm going to keep my thoughts and ideas kind of quick in the front because I want to make sure we have plenty of time with the guests that I have this week, which I'm very excited about. Well, as we all know, we're entering that third week of the government shutdown here in America. And if you go back and listen to the show last week, I urged each one of you to just stay grounded and go through and other recommendations that I had for weathering the storm together. Here's the message in the nutshell here. This too shall pass, but I've told you all year, this year in particular, 2013, is about relationships. So I know on the first blush it looks like we're talking money, but we're really talking relationships. And we are moving from more shallow relationships to a more contemporary, open, and spiritual connection between all of us. But you know how that goes. We all have to go through that yucky period of flushing things out to get to the other side of complete trust and integrity. So hang in there. Go back and listen to that show from last week. You can find it at Change Already with Jillian at Blog Talk Radio here. Or you can find it on YouTube that I've talked about before or at my website, Jillian Moss Backman. There's a little fact most of you probably don't know. I have been collecting religious art pieces from all over the world for many, many years. You all know that I come from a religious background, and it plays a big, huge part of my career in the world. And it not only feeds my artistic side of myself, but also my devoted sense to higher spirituality that I believe we're all moving there together So I really like both halves of myself, and I've been able to kind of bring it together through my religious art collecting. Now, mind you, I am no artist, but here's the smart thing I do. I surround myself with the most incredible and impeccable spiritual artists in the world right now. And... It's this wonderful feeding that I get to be around these people. I know I can't, it's like singing. I'm not a good singer, but I know good art. In fact, 
the religious art is one of those things where it takes and connects the old world religious part with a new spiritual way of looking. One of these things is called the art of iconography. If those of you that don't have never heard of iconography or don't are not used to it, it's an artist who's a scribe in his own way that painstakingly transposes ancient religious images into modern-day churches, cathedrals, canvas, and wood blocking. So my guest today is actually one of these contemporary iconographers, and his name is Joseph Malham. He's classically trained since 1999, and he's a resident at St. Gregory Church in Chicago, Illinois, for those of you who are close to the vicinity. And the other part is, I own one of these pieces. I was gifted one of his pieces, and it's probably one of the most cherished things I own. But the part a lot of people don't know about him is that he's also an artist. And he is a sophomore artist. He has a second book coming out in his latest correct cre creation called John Ford, Poet in the Desert. He is an amazing artist and writer. And then the second person that we have today is Erica Hilton. She is an artist in her own right. The part I love about her art is that she has this spiritual vision that's muted and colorful and really can be used in our homes and in our places of sacredness in a practical level. So I don't want to talk too much. Welcome, both of you. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you, Jillian. Thank you so much. Well, first I want to talk to Joseph. Joseph, tell me about this book that you have it coming out because we want to focus on the John Ford Poet in the Desert. And then, Erica, I'd love to talk about gallery. She owns a gallery in in Chicago. I want to talk about her and the program she has coming up. So, Joe, take it away. I'd love to know how a iconographer and an author gets connected with writing a John Ford book. <laughs> I don't know. Jillian, as you and Erica know, my whole life is a mystery. So I can't even figure yeah. out how I got here this morning. So, But thank you very much. Yeah, it's, uh, it was actually it was a uh, – it, it, it all sort of dovetails with the, with the iconography and the whole uh, vocation as a, uh, as, a, as, a, as a sort of a spiritual artist. On a, on a spiritual path, because uh, Ford is considered John Ford is considered truly not only the greatest poet in the history of American cinema, but uh, in the history of cinema itself. And people like Akira Kurosawa from Japan, uh, Sergio Leone from Italy, uh, uh, directors from Germany like Wim Wenders, everybody sees Ford as the great sort of like the hub from which all cinema radiates. But what what the the reality is is that he do, he did so because of the, the depth of his poetic vision, and that is directly tied into his very mystical faith that he had. And I think that was an element of his, uh, of his career that is, had been largely either ignored or given short shrift. And so I wanted to take a new tack, because I'm not, a, I'm not an academic, I'm not a professional historian, but what I do is I like to tell good stories. So what I decided to do was kind of poke around Ford's, you know, the, the, the phenomenal career that he had in film from 1917 to 1966 and see how these spiritual elements of his faith were insinuated uh, consciously and subconsciously into his work. Do you think that 
people are going to be interested in hearing about this. We all know him as this great writer and director of especially the John Wayne films. How are people going to react to hearing a more intimate relationship with his own spirituality or his own depth of the mystery? Good, uh, good observation, and uh, well, we're hoping people people will be, because it's basically seeing Ford through a new lens. Because I think there's, because he was, he was such a larger than life character between his eye patch and the dark glasses and the flannels and the cowboy hat and cowboy boots. He really he worked very hard at creating his own myth, and especially the one this, this the the facade of crustiness and this mean old curmudgeon. That was such a terror to everybody he met. But it actually masked a very deep and a very fragile, sensitive, loving, poetic soul. And uh, I think that people will probably be interested Mm -hmm. in reading about what an intelligent and literate and uh, profoundly intelligent man he was in terms of not only his own religion, but world religions, world language, world culture, world art. So Ford really went out of his way to try to create this persona of the the rough-hewn, working stuff, when he was actually a very sensitive, highly intelligent, uh, extremely literate, and profoundly spiritual man. And that's the tack that I'm taking in the book, is looking at some of not only the, the, the people that he influenced, but the influences on him, from art and history and myth to, um, you know, to, to his own faith and music. Uh, so we're, we're, I'm just sort of seeing him through a lot of different lenses as opposed to just a straight, a straight biography. I love the way you said that. You know, the part that I think I like about your book most, Joseph, is that people have this strange thought when you say the word spirituality or religious, okay, or even the word mystery. Here's an ordinary man that was doing his craft to the highest, best ability that he could, but there was this underlying spirituality and a higher purpose, let's say, that anybody can do. If John Ford can do it, he's like, like you just said, the man, the curmudgeon man, uh, the image that we have in our head, but yet Mm -hmm. there was this underlying purpose there. True, true, yes. Uh, And that's, again, what I try to emphasize is... um, See what all four did. It's 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 basically like looking at looking at a, a reading a great uh, reading a great book, listening to a great symphony, seeing a great painting. There's the surface reality, but becoming a great artist and appreciating great art is the, is exactly the same because all you're doing is giving yourself is allowing through some mystical uh, alchemy in your own soul is the ability to see beyond the surface and connect the dots that are very universal and very primal and go to the very very roots of who we are as a people, as a, as a culture, as, a, as, a, as humanity. And that, that's what makes a great poet, and that's what Ford did, even in his westerns. Everybody will think that, yeah, he just made all those John Wayne horse operas with Maureen O'Hara, but he was actually delving deep into the whole nature of myth, which is another word for something, uh, the lie that tells the truth. So the cowboy and the cavalry trooper and and the homesteaders, it really wasn't like that in real life. But what he was doing was he was he was sort of connecting it to a deeper reality of of, of the movement of people through time and space and history and what does that mean and what kind of an identity does it give them? Well, in this case, it's the American identity, which was the cowboy, the homesteader, 
the, the, the cavalry troopers. So he understood the importance of myth, but not only the surface reality, but how it connects to a deeper kind of world, world mythology of, of people describing who they are and where they came from and where they're going, too, which is what he had a great passionate love for America and believed in the country, too, and our, our, our destiny. So I know that's a, that's a, that's a handful, but uh, hopefully I, uh, I did a better job of explaining it in my book. Yeah, you did a really good job. And But the, the question I have for you is that that was back then, okay? So we're talking about, I don't know, years and years ago of all of this. Why the book yeah. now? What do you want the contemporary reader of today to get out of this book? Because, Joseph, you know there's a lot of angry people in the world. We're frustrated with what's Mm -hmm. going on. Why in the world would we read your book? And what added value is it going to give to the rest of us to help us push past this angry spot, which I think we're going to, into this new rebirth of love and light, you know, every all those fancy words that everybody says. Yeah, yeah. That's uh that's that's a that's a brilliant, brilliant observation. I've never been posed a question like that before. <laughs> like say uh, my, my first reaction? No, that's it's good. It's better than uh, three okay. cups of Starbucks to wake me up and get me in the saddle. <laughs> I think, Jillian, what, uh, the best way to answer that is because Ford himself was a very angry man. He had a, this angry core, uh, Irish Catholic, uh, loving family, great upbringing, but he still retained, he was an alcoholic, he dealt with a lot of demons in his life. But through that, he never lost hope. He never lost hope in, in his own mission and purpose, his sense of, of being an artist, but he also never lost hope in America, but also in humanity, because that's the running theme that I want, that I really am connecting the dots with in his film, like The Grapes of Wrath, How Green Was My Valley, uh, even his darker films like The Searchers and The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, there was always a sense that of abiding humanity, that somehow the dead, the living are always connected. There's no, there's no break. So when we're talking about death, we're talking about the greatest mystery and the greatest fear in every single person's life. And Ford was so profoundly spiritual, not just religious. He was Irish Catholic, but he was, he was more than just religious. He was more than just a surface Catholic. He understood something deeper and greater, which is that there is no, there's a sense of continuum. Families may, may dissolve and crack and, and facades may, may crumble, but we are always connected. The living and the dead are always connected in a deeply real and present way, and I think that that is the sense of, of abiding hope in, in, in Ford's, not only Ford's film, but in Ford's life it's, itself, and that's what I hope to stress in the book. Wow. <laughs> okay, so that was just as good as answer as to the question I posed, <laughs> so thank you for that. One of the things that you and I have in common is that we picked Lake Street Press on purpose. We picked it yeah. to publish both our books, Beyond the Pew and your latest book, John Ford, Poet in the Desert, because it's one of those micro-publishers that is trying and doing a good job, I might add, at changing the literary world to understand it's not all about reading a good book. There's purpose with a good book, and it, it's bringing and elevating publishing up to a world. Now, we can only do our little part, but 
Is that why you went with Lake Street Press? That's why I went with Lake Street Press, because they had a foundation of purposeness that I agreed with. Oh, absolutely, and I think that uh, you're you're proof perfect of that. Mary's book also. Well, no, seriously. I mean, it was uh, Mary's. But yeah, Mary kind of kicked everything off. But I think you proved with Beyond the Pews that you didn't have to conform to the standards and the and the ideals of some you know some some huge corporate entity. You could maintain your integrity at the same time find a venue and a voice and a forum to express that without any any type of censure or changing the direction or the focus of your book. And I think that's what Lake Street Press is all about, is this, this kind of giving a forum and a voice to people with, with books with a very spiritual bent and a, and, a, and a message, something to say to people without having to craft and, and, and change and channel it into, into so many different directions to make it, quote, marketable. I think that Lake Street Press trusts the integrity of not only the authors but the audience, too, and that's what I found. I know definitely that's what you found with Beyond the Pews. Yeah, and you're right. Mary Osborne, with her book, kicked it off, known as Book of Mysteries, about uh, the sacredness of alchemy, which laid the foundation to, uh, up, you know, rising up to the occasion. And I think this is the third evolution to Lake Street Press, which I'm very excited to read, by the way. Yeah. So let's let's pop over to that. Enough, you know, get the book, but it's not available till November. Unless you are privy enough to go to a special event that's coming this weekend, who is invited for everyone to come, and that's where Erica Hilton comes in. Hi, Erica. Hi, Jillian. You've been Hi. so qu- quiet and patient. So, well, you're, I you're, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, you're introducing Joe's book this weekend in the most presentable, loving way. Tell us about the event that's going on this weekend at your gallery in Chicago and what it entails and how the rest of us can get there. Okay, well, first of all, listening to Joe um, (laughs) talking about his book and religion and spirituality, it's like I almost have very few words to say. I just want to say ditto because I feel the same way about art and life. And when he talks about um, John Ford being a poet, poetry is, I, I guess, the, the, the first word, like the first letter of the alphabet, the first word of my vocabulary. Um, you know, my art stemmed from poetry, my gallery stemmed from poetry, and, I, you know, Joe didn't mention, but the first show that um, he ever had for his icons were in my gallery. When was it, Joe, 10, 12 years ago? 2000, what? 12 was years ago. Was it 2000, 12 years Whoa. ago, 13 years ago? The very first show I ever had of my art. Yes, yes, and um, that was the kickoff oh. for, for Joe's art, and this this gallery that um, I have now, it's in the River North um, area of Chicago on Wells and Superior. Um, it also stemmed from art and poetry. It was originally my studio where I was painting and turned into this amazing gallery. And the first show that we had was um, for a photographer named Dennis Menarchy. And when Joe talks about John Ford, I think of Dennis Menarchy because he is also a poet of the visual, 
but it's still. It's not moving pictures like John Ford made, but it's still photographs. And he's basically a raconteur of the past and the present. And so the show that we have right now, which works in perfect harmony with Joe's book, is called Butterflies and Buffalo. And it's about... The Butterflies and Buffalo is about tales of American culture. And we have cowboys, and we have this beautiful Navajo um, that he's photographed, and horses, and um, it's just gorgeous. It's a gorgeous show. It's been a very, very successful show for us. Um, One of the um, parts of the show is a series that he did when he was filming, um, photographing uh, the Marlboro campaign. And so we have a picture of the Marlboro Man here. And it's interesting about that because, you know, I don't smoke. We have, we have a, um, a video of these gunfighters they're shooting at you. When you walk into the gallery, it's really interesting. It's a video of these different people pulling, like gunfight at OK Corral, pulling out their gun and shooting straight at you. And, you know, I'm, I'm against... Um, any form of violence whatsoever. So it's an interesting show that we're having here. Yeah. <laughs> but it it's perfect for Joe's book and, and the setting to release his book to the public. Or not to the public, I guess privately. I don't know. What would you call it, Joe? What are we doing? This weekend we have this John Ford Film Festival. Film Festival, and yes. yes. It's a film festival. And we are going to be showing, uh, Joe is going to be showing the first um, Film Stagecoach, Friday evening, that's tomorrow night. Saturday is How Green Was My Valley. And Sunday, um, what is it, Who Shot Liberty Valance? Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. Yes, we don't want to give away the ending. We won't tell who shot him. (laughs) Promise? (laughs) Promise. Dennis Menarchy probably shot them. But (laughs) here we have a man, Dennis is, is a giant in his own right, and one of the reasons we enjoy um, representing him last year, we had our first show with him. One year later, we're having the, the Butterflies in Buffalo. And the Butterflies is about the tenuousness of life. And it's about um, the sensitivity and the, the um, spirituality, actually, of life. And the buffalo is the strength and power of this country and the people who created this country. And um, I just want to just throw in a quick tidbit about the Marlboro campaign. I, I wrote a blog on our website, and it was about the buffalo and the Marlboro man, and I did a lot of research. And Marlboro cigarette was introduced in 1924 by Philip Morris um, as a filtered cigarette. It was a woman's cigarette. It wasn't the masculine Marlboro man that we wow. know of today. Yeah, and in 1954, their sales were sort of okay, but they weren't great, and Camel was the one that all the men were smoking. And um, they were having great sales, so they hired Leo Burnett to come up with a new campaign. And originally, Marlboro's slogan was, mild as May, like the month of May, the weather. Oh, my. Right. Yeah. And in 1954, 1955, when... Uh, Leo Burnett came up with this Marlboro man. Uh, they found they, they they photographed quite a few different men, you know, in cowboy outfits, and that was nice. And then they found a man at a rodeo, and they they photographed him, 
And he, he tells the story later. I forgot his name. He was paid $300. And he said a few months later, he saw his picture on every billboard in the city. Never heard from them again. Never received another penny. And in 1955, Marlboro was selling $5 billion a year in cigarettes. In two years later, after the Marlboro Man campaign kicked off, they were selling $20 billion in cigarette sales. Is that just incredible? That is just a crazy story. It's well, a crazy story. I just had to throw it in because story. it was fascinating. It is, and it just kind of leads up to what we're talking about, which is old school stuff that John Ford was, the same kind of Marlboro yeah. mannish guy, but yet Joseph has been able to tap into a part in this book of a very deep, spiritual, and kind man. Well, I want to mm. make sure, first of all, I have a confession to both of you. I've never seen a John Wayne movie ever. <laughs> Uh-oh. No. I know. How could that possibly be? I, I have no idea, you guys. How about Maureen O'Hara? Have you seen any of hers? Uh, no. I, I, the, the I, I'm almost man? embarrassed. Okay, Never now saw The Quiet that. Man. No, you guys. Oh. Well, we're okay, have to Jillian, you have to come here this weekend and spend every night in our gallery and watch mm-hmm. these three films. So I'm kind of like a movie virgin when it comes to John Wayne. Anyway, so <laughs> I love here's it. the deal. We you're having at your gallery, the name of it is Hilton Osmus. What is it? Okay, Osmus A-S-M-U-S, Gallery. Hilton Osmus Contemporary. And mm-hmm. it's from and October oh, go ahead. No, we're at 716 North Wells at the corner of Wells and Superior. And the film begins uh, I don't know, Joe, you're going to do a talk first at 7.30? We have, yes, we have three different speakers. I'm, I'm one of the speakers. We have a different mm-hmm. speaker every night, and it kicks off tomorrow night, October mm-hmm. 11th, at 7.30. But uh, we recommend people get there a little earlier in order to get seating, because seating is limited. And that would okay, be for stage also, And I'm going to interrupt you there, sure. because Dennis Menarchy is going to uh, make a special appearance tomorrow night. And he's going to be arriving at 7.00. And he's oh. going to talk about the big camera that he, he built a 35-foot film camera. Okay, no one has ever done anything like this. And he's going to talk about the camera, which is going to lead into Jar- John Ford, because Dennis is also a director of commercials. So he did a lot of film himself. Well, yeah. I'm going to be going tomorrow night, so I'm going to break my seal on never seeing this John Wayne guy that I've heard about. So You're a John I'm Wayne there. virgin. I am. I'm <laughs> going to be there tomorrow night. And here's the deal with Joe's book. There are copies, hard copies that Joe is going to be signing, and you they're for purchase. Now, that's the only thing. The, these three days is the only ones that it's available. But you can pre-order the book that officially comes out in November at LakeStreetPress.com, LakeStreetPress.com. And we only have about two minutes left, so I want to get everything in that we need to do. So, Joe, can you tell me your website 
and we already talked about Lake Street Press. And then, Erica, could you also give your information about your uh, gallery? And I know that Nora Dunn is coming there. So I'll step away, and you guys give the information, please. Well, um, I'll, Joe, go ahead. I'll make it the fastest. The uh, okay. uh, www.josephmalham.com. And real quickly, there are to show that there are no accidents, we had not planned to have this festival and the Dennis Menarchy and Erica's beautiful gallery is now covered with cowboy and western art, unbeknownst to me, before I even approached her. So shows you that God is looking down and smiling on us. Amen. And Erica? Oh. Okay, so our gallery is www.hilton, H-I-L-T-O-N, Osmus, A-S as in Sam, M-U-S, Dot com, And um, we have Joe's Festival the 11th, 12th, and 13th. And then on Sunday, Nora Dunn has a, um, a performance at Theater Wit called Mythical Proportions. It's been like this um, five-star reviews from every theater critic in Chicago. And afterwards, we're going to have a post-show discussion with Peach Carr, the dress designer, um, who is from Project Runway. And I know Nora that. and myself. Oh, you know Peach? Awesome. Oh, she's adorable. No, I've never met her, but I saw her on Project Runway, of course. <laughs> she is wonderful. And she designed Nora's outfit, and Nora has my painting, Universe Life Unlimited, as the backdrop. It's a 10 foot painting as the backdrop for her show. And so um, she uh, has been telling everyone that my painting is a character in her play, which is Ooh, very I exciting. Love it. Yeah, so well, that's going on at 4 p.m. Um, on Sunday. Joe, yours is at 5.30 here at the gallery on Sunday. Correct. Correct. Yes. Okay. Great. Well, I'm looking for, forward to getting my signed copy, Joe, and seeing Erica's gallery. I've been dying to get there. I've been so busy. But, again, look for John Ford, Poet in the Desert, um, on newsstands and in your bookstores coming in November, and we will see you at Erica Hilton's gallery this weekend when I when I find my first John Wayne movie. Whatever. Stagecoach. <laughs> That's going to be exciting, Jillian. Ah, uh, yes. So remember, between now and then, change doesn't have to be difficult, but it is necessary to grow. I'll see you same time, same place. Hi, Noom, Blog Talk Radio. Thanks for joining Jillian today. Don't miss her famous at-home personal enrichment lessons. You can complete them on your own time to accelerate your personal change. They're simple and nothing like you've experienced before. Just like Jillian, warm and fuzzy with an attitude. So change already. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.